Welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. The contents and views expressed by individuals in the CIM Marketing Podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. This series is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. And today, instead of looking about what's hot in social media, we're going to concentrate for a while at least on what's not. We talk about adopting new trends and racing with the baton towards the latest craze, but what should we be binning? What should be part of our social media spring clean? And and to answer these questions, we are joined today by a very special guest, Kieran Rogers, who is himself a host of a major podcast, the Digital Marketing Podcast for Target Internet. And Miss Molly MacArthur, who returns from CIM headquarters at Moore Hall, and she is, of course, Digital Marketing Manager for CIM and a popular guest on this show. Molly, Kieran, how are you two today? Great, thank Good. you. Yeah. It's great to have you here. So, social spring clean. We talk enough about what's hot. What's not, Molly MacArthur? What should we be binning? What should we be getting rid of in terms of our social media usage? I think it really depends on the company different things work well for different companies and um the sort of spaces that you're in so for example cim over the last couple of years so probably since the pandemic began we've seen a massive decline in the engagement on our twitter so it's create uh, the users that we're getting from twitter to our website has declined by in excess of 80 percent so that's an area where we're slowing sort of slowing down putting less focus on putting less pressure on ourselves to sort of forced to make it work and looking at other platforms like LinkedIn and Instagram we've seen up to a 700% increase in users that were driving there so really sort of focusing on not cutting anything off entirely but focusing on the platforms that work for us and that's that's just in our space but speaking to people um that's sort of like in the sporting industry Twitter is flying right now so I think it really massively depends on where you're at. I mean, why is there such a differential between the trend in one industry and the trend in another industry? Is there any explanation for it that you've found? I mean, that's quite a remarkable change in behaviour, Kieran Rogers, isn't it, that Molly? It just is. Start. Yeah, let me jump in on that because I've got a nice like analogy that I always like to use to help people get their heads around social media. So try and think of different social media channels like a party. So, you know, Ben and Molly, if I was to say to you, OK, what sort of party is LinkedIn party? be like yeah it's like a you know a CIM networking business like party yeah maybe a little bit of cheese and wine thrown in I don't know oh maybe not maybe not um what sort of what sort of party is Facebook that's a really interesting one you start getting into it and actually if you look at sort of the audience that you've curated around your own personal Facebook um like presence Ben like if we got all of those people into a room like what would that party look like like what would that room be full of what, what what would it be full of? Well, I'm asking you, Ben. I want to know about your Facebook connections. Like, who's there? Who's at this party? It's probably, if it's anything like mine, it's like a really weird connection. Of It's like a really dysfunctional party. of lots of random people you were at school with, um, lots of people you've worked with over the years, um, uh, and peppered with, you know, a few friends, actual people that you do actually have, like, you know, regular connections with. If you think about parties, and, and every social media network can be, you know, boiled down into a bit of a party, it's a good way of thinking of it, because there's certain ways of behaving at a party. 
you know, the way I behave at the, the you know, the, the COM networking party is very different to how I behave at like Facebook, which for me, I tend to sort of categorize as like family barbecue party in terms of whose people connected. There's a whole mix of people there, you know, and it, it would be a bit weird at a family barbecue to start handing out business cards, wouldn't it? You wouldn't do, but at the, at the CIM, that party, that would be that would be appropriate. So certain norms, ways to behave. And again, when you think about parties, this is the really interesting thing. And Molly, you've probably got some thoughts on this. Different people move on from different parties and go to like new, new, exciting venues. So I think certainly in the UK, um, you know, a lot of people that were quite active on the Facebook party, for example, have moved on to other more exciting places you know may potentially moved on to instagram or snapchat or um uh, other places and again on twitter you know i think people are moving around on, on that so uh, new people are adopting it and other people are, are leaving and it sort of comes in comes in waves the nature of each individual party though has changed you ask who would be in my facebook party the simple yeah. answer that is no one as i would famously have said on this podcast before <laughs> i've never used be an empty Facebook. room but it's interesting that you use the example that the analogy of a family barbecue because it hasn't always been that way you know it was very hot and trendy when it first well, first launched it is but remember it's changing all the time it's and it's different things in different places like you know when when i run training courses for the cim we have people from all over the world come on that training course and it's it's incredible like you know we, we've had students from uh, egypt and over there you know it's much more like like LinkedIn is that's how people are using Facebook which I I, I couldn't couldn't imagine using Facebook like that that would feel weird to use Facebook yeah. by like like LinkedIn and I've, I've trained people in um you know Eastern Europe and uh, stuff and, and and again there like they don't necessarily even have LinkedIn it's not even necessarily a thing out there um you know it's, it doesn't it doesn't have enough people on the network for it to to be worthwhile with them even bothering with so different norms uh, ensue in different countries but I think also different norms ensue in different in different industries and actually remember these are networks so the benefit of being there is reliant on lots of other people who you need to connect with being there and and people move people move on to different venues all of the all of the time they've certainly moved in cim's case molly's example is quite quite astounding you know they've left twitter to the sportsmen yep. doing their after game drinks in the rugby bar or the or, or the football the football club and they've moved on to the CIM cheese and wine at LinkedIn and presumably to the sort of glamorous house party that is Instagram. Why, Molly? Why has it happened? I think we saw the biggest shift at the beginning of the pandemic. So I think people, they sort of lost the security that they had in their jobs and they were trying to promote themselves more on LinkedIn. So sharing their achievements far more than we'd ever seen before um, and trying to like sort of grow their networks and build connections that way. Whereas Twitter sort of just like, pinging tweets out here and there without really building any strong connections um but yes yeah, so i think it's just a case of networking and and sharing things on that platform which is quite a different different style to twitter there's, there's one other thing to add i think you can't always assume that people aren't there they might just not be wearing the hats they were wearing before so for example pretty much everybody you need to connect with is on facebook but it's not appropriate to start pitching at them in a like a B2B environment, yeah, you because know, it's not necessarily a B2B environment, you know, and people people have different hats. So just the fact that I'm there doesn't necessarily mean that I want to engage. You know, it'd be interesting to research it, wouldn't it? But you know, maybe actually the the way people use the platform has just changed. And actually, you know, when when you think about your networks of actual people that you're connected with, um, you, you all have certain norms. So Molly at the CIM, like how do you choose to like interact with with people within that community 
Um, I'm, and I'm guessing, you know, it might be through through WhatsApp or through email or maybe be email. But there are, again, there are certain norms that that the flow. But as we all know, those those norms shift gradually uh, over time. It's a constant shifting, shifting sand. And I think, you know, Molly, my money, what you're doing is the right thing. You're looking at what gets results. Because remember, that's why we're there. We're not just there yeah. for the fun of it. So, you know, this golden thing really, do more of what works and less of what of, of what doesn't. And you can de definitely try out a few new things. Don't just assume, you know, arrogantly, oh, I've, what I'm doing is not working because everybody's moved on. Now, it might just be that you're a bit rubbish at what you at what you do. So you have to try a few things. You have to, you know, try a few different ways of, of doing stuff. But when you see, you know, much better results coming through those things, you're perhaps trying on other platforms. I think you have to conclude, actually, maybe the audience has just moved on or, or they're using the platform in a slightly different way and, and we need to adjust. I mean, Molly is. Molly is doing that. She's obviously riding the crest of a wave in terms of capturing the trends. But is everybody doing that well, Kieran? Is everybody doing that well? Do you look at the space and sometimes think, I'm surprised they're doing this. Should they be doing this? I'll be really honest with you. Oh, I love that you've asked me that question because I've been wanting to have a rant about this for a long time. Most people, why are you even on social media? Like they, they just post out the same thing again and again. It's like, well, why? You know, it's almost like, oh, well, we have to post three times uh, a week because that's what we do. Yeah, but if you looked at how, like, everybody's just ignoring you, you know, it's just you've got no traction. Like, what are you even trying to achieve by shoving this stuff out there? Do you just seem to think that, you know, build it and they will come? It doesn't work like that. You, you've got to have, you've got to be adding value. You know, it's, 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 I see it all the time. Everybody's doing this, just posting stuff out week after week after week. And seriously, if they were actually looking at the results, they'd be getting depressed and going, Do you know what, why are we still doing this? It's just like that joke of a of, a, of, a, of the guy that goes to the doctors and, sit and starts poking himself in the eye and saying, doctor, it hurts when I do this. And the doctor says, well, just stop doing it then. It's like, well, <laughs> why, why? And I do feel like some people's social media feature, when you look at the company, it's like, why are you doing this? It's embarrassing. You know, are you not ashamed of the lack of traction that you're getting? Have you have you not got anything better you could be doing, or do you just not have the imagination to try something new and 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 different? And that that for me sorts out, you know, the real movers and shakers in the social space with the the the, the also rans. I think it's harsh, isn't it? But I just I feel quite strongly about this, Ben. It's harsh, but sometimes you do have to be cruel to be kind. Yeah, don't you? you do, Ben. You have to squeeze the pus from the boil before it gets better. <laughs> Something that we do is we review our social media performance on a monthly basis. We pull out what are the top things that are really working for us, what isn't, and then see, are there any trends in that? Is there anything that we can keep going? And we've found recently trends are moving so fast. So we have to, if something's working, we just have to make the most of it, do as much as we can and, you know, expect that it probably won't last forever. Well, those are sort of fundamentals of what works is very similar. The, the trends that come and go are um, very quick. But yeah, so we do this monthly review of what's working we have kpis and goals so we know what is good what we ultimately aiming for um is it engagements direct messages traffic we have very different kpis for each platform what about the things like motion reels tiktok and how how are you using that has that been a big change and been helping get your traction and engagement up yeah that's been massive for us particularly this year we were sort of a little bit maybe late to the game with um TikTok but yeah we're getting on board with the reels now and we've seen almost a 300% increase in engagements since we started posting reels some of our reels on on average they reach double the audience that we do with a static post 
So yeah, it's it's incredible reach. And often we see, whereas with a static post on Instagram or carousel or stories, we're reaching people within our current following. You could they've got statistics in the background and you can see what percentage of uh, followers versus new people that you're reaching and reels are reach outside of our current following. It's like 80% new people versus 20% our current following. So it's been enormous for us for growth over the last year. That's amazing. That's amazing. And that sounds like it's really working. Do you ever walk into sort of copyright issues? Do you use third party music, third party tracks and have to con then concern yourself with copyright? Yes, this is something that we struggle with because as the Chartered Institute of Marketing, we have to be squeaky clean in absolutely everything we do. We're setting the standards. So we we're very careful at the moment about what sounds we use. I do, I do see brands that are using trending sounds and it's um, I do often wonder how they're managing to do that. How are they managing it, Kieran? It does it just beg the question. If you're using large <laughs> track, yeah, are you not going to walk into you know battle with Apple and Sony yeah. and well, wow. copyright? So I have to like like front load this answer with I am not a lawyer, <laughs> and everything I say you should check um, uh, on this one because it's a pretty like legal like music copyright. It's a pretty scary world, isn't it? Yeah, poor old Ed Sheeran's like suffering with it at the moment isn't it? he's constantly constant constant battle with things like that i think my understanding of this and actually anybody listening might have like an insight into this um, but my understanding has always been that you know the way this works is on sort of fair use principles so uh, i know with tiktok like it's like 15 seconds isn't it is that right molly it's 15 it, seconds it yeah. can go it can go up to 10 minutes now on tiktok yeah yeah so okay so i don't know how they do it but my understanding when they first launched was that 15 seconds of music um it was kind of considered fair fair use because you're not using a significant portion uh, of it now whether that still stands and how they get i don't know you'd need to ask TikTok um on, on that but i'm hoping their lawyers have looked at that otherwise someone would shut down the the the, the platform they do actually provide a library of copyright free music so if you've got a brand account there are only selected sounds that you can use right, and i went okay. to i think it was uh, it was a talk in london in like january um 2020 so just before um pandemic and tiktok were speaking there and someone posed this question to them so like how, so how are brands using these songs and did they, they did they start sweating they did <laughs> they did they, yeah it, they said it's it's absolutely down to the brands to make sure that they're you know within the yeah. working within the law check check with your lawyers people don't take our word for it check it just got to be so careful with things like this ben because actually i've seen you know brands come a come a cropper it's a few years back now but i was doing some consultancy for a brand where they they had a whole library of like images that they'd licensed and you know how it works like the, they were producing like a monthly magazine and that magazine got passed on to the web team and the web team put it online no bad bad move because the images mm. weren't licensed for online um, and yeah, they got fined thousands um, for, for that. And you, you, yeah, you've got to be really sharp on your permissions. And you know, I think Molly, you know, the CIM are you know are very careful with this. Obviously, they have to sort of lead by example with, with all of this. But actually, the the, the repercussions are, are quite significant. And there's no getting around it. You know, there's a digital record of what you did and what and what you published. Um, you know, we find that with the podcast, everything that we use actually is stuff that we've created ourselves. Uh, within the podcast because it's just it's just too risky to start including clips of um, you know licensed um, and copyrighted music absolutely and it, it's, it's hard for people to get their head around because we can listen to pretty much any track anywhere 
anywhere in the world at any time with you know streaming services of Spotify and Apple Music and so on and so forth. There are multiple of them, all, all supplying tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of tracks that we have instant access to. But as you say, if you embed them in other media, if you use them to promote your own work, if you put them in a film, a TikTok, um, on a computer game or what have you, 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 you do risk running into copyright issues. So be very careful. Be very careful is the lesson from Kieran Rogers and Molly MacArthur when using copyright, but don't stop using it, presumably. You should try to use it, but with fair and reasonable use. Buy a keyboard, make your own. Come on, be more creative. Come oh, on, yes. it's up the game. It's up the game. We need more music in the world. So, yeah, that's, I think that's a simple answer. You could always create your own musicians out there. It's actually what I've done, Ben. It's actually what I've done. Like, I've, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, um, I've written stuff for like YouTube videos and, um, and put stuff out there. And actually, it's not that hard. And it's so much fun. You just have to be able to have the time to time to do it. But, but you know, there are there are plenty of um, really creative people that will license you track. There are plenty of like really great tracks that you can like buy now. Like it used to be like. Oh, it's like listening to your ears bleed, um, trawling through hours and hours of, of royalty free music. But actually, I think there's some amazing libraries out there now to um, pull stuff in for your creative um, projects. And a lot of them are, you know, licensed within things like the Adobe Creative Suite uh, and Cloud. Um, you, there's lots of stuff that you can do there. So actually, it doesn't need to be that onerous. Um, you can be very, very creative with, you know, some really high quality stuff now. Yeah, it's moved on from basic clip art type music that you used to get back in the day. So you can originate material, you can originate media, you can be creative in the way that you source media from the likes of Adobe Creative Suite, other brands, of course, are available. What other tools can you use, Kieran, in this age of hot, fast social media to really bring it to life and get the traction that you've been talking about and that we all desire oh, such a good question ben what what like what what everyone wants to answer isn't it do you know what? i think you all need to take a step away from the technology uh, and recognize do you know what the platforms the tools the techniques the what's trending right now that changes all of the time but there's one thing ben that doesn't change and that's people you know and actually we are still the same as we were you know oh, i don't know like thirty thousand years ago when we stepped out of caves um, literally the same thing. We have we have needs, we have wants, and we have one overriding obsession, which is ourselves. You know, Ben, this is this is not getting at you, but your favourite subject is definitely Ben Walker, and Molly's favourite subject is Molly McCarthy. And Kieran's favourite subject is Kieran Rogers, because we all see ourselves, don't we, as like centre of our own uh, like Truman Show. Like it, it, that is our life, really. And it's and, and I think this this is one of the like universal truths that I've seen over the last. Oh, I've been in digital marketing now 25 plus years um, and this has always been at the forefront of what works and that's like what's in it for me that's what you've got to answer for the audience and I think that's why you know more dynamic content like video um, formats and, and stuff with music why that works so well because it's it's entertaining but it also it grabs our attention like we are and there's there's normally because there's a linear sequence there's a story involved in there you know, even in the shortest sequence, there are stories and there are characters and there are emotions. And as creatures, we're really drawn to that. And so, you know, the challenge for marketers is, OK, in order to grab attention, you know, you've got to bake in movement, you've got to bake in creativity and you've got to bake in emotion. Uh, and you've really, really got to make sure it all leverages on what's in it for me. You know, so uh, the, the whole world is on this never ending flicky finger scroll 
through the infinite like newsfeed that's coming out of multiple different different platforms like it, it never ends does it you never get to the bottom of it um, and the one thing you've got to do to grab people's attention is give them a firm what's in it for me and this is where it gets so into like formal marketing right so well you know who are you trying to get the attention of and that's where often where it goes wrong and brands and organizations haven't really thought through who they're trying to reach like you know if i'm going fishing a great fishing strategy is not let's catch fish <laughs> yes. you're going to come back empty-handed and hungry if you do that like, if you want to go fishing you need to know what fish are we trying to catch where do they hang out what kind of food do they eat now, it's exactly the same questions when i consider you know the the fish that i'm trying to catch on on linkedin or on twitter or on snapchat or on um tiktok and it's, it's exactly the same rule so that universal truth of that people are people is so so important and i think actually constantly walking in your customer's shoes and asking like what's in it for them what's in it for them and baking that into what you're putting out there that's massive i mean molly you must have seen this in some of your most successful posts i bet when you take a step back and go you know, why was that successful actually it'll all come down to there was a really clear and good what's in it for me for a certain audience of people and what's amazing about this ben is when you get traction and you get a lot of engagement then whatever platform you're on the social media algorithm kicks in and goes oh that was good people like that i'm going to show it to more people Right, so actually these algorithms, they love to make out it's always yeah, really advanced AI. Actually, it's pretty basic at the heart of it. That's what it that's what it's doing. And it actually doesn't make a distinction really on most of the platforms between was it was it positive or negative reaction? It just gets reaction. Right. This is why we've had some incredible, you know, situations where, you know, crazily, uh, people you'd never would have thought would become major leaders in their countries have like won national elections out of the blue and and stuff. And actually, I, I very often I'm not going to get into the politics of that, but very often the reason why they've they've risen to that kind of prominence is more like off the back of the negative reaction they had from the haters than the positive reaction. Because what's happening is those social media algorithms are kicking in and giving people more of you know what engaged them. So if I come out on social media and say something outrageous, like it gets a lot of engagement and then it gets shown to lots of people, even though people are trying to slap me down. It is absolutely fascinating. And it's interesting that the, the technology doesn't distinguish particularly between a negative reaction and a positive reaction. It's just looking for a reaction. But when you're at CIM and you don't have to be squeaky clean, Molly MacArthur, how do you make sure the engagement you're getting is positive rather than negative? I think for us, we we try to put to get into those algorithms of where we're getting people to react to stuff, um, we try to play on humorous stuff in marketing, particularly with the short form video and reels. Um, we don't typically word things in a way that will sort of provoke negative reactions from people. It's all sort of worded on a, in quite like a positive light. Um, we don't come out and say anything extreme like get off Twitter it's not working or you know like those sorts of things we're very neutral in our tone while having sort of you know um opinions and thoughts about what works and what doesn't but you know we don't have any really out there opinions posted but just on that one what would be wrong with your telling the industry that you know actually in this sector Twitter's not working because that that's your professional finding I think you're, you're polarizing things way too much there Ben like there every organization has different audiences so like for Molly's audience at the moment, she's finding it's not working so well on Twitter, um, but there'll be plenty of other marketing organisations that it does work really well uh, for. So, for example, Target Internet, 
yeah, Twitter's a great channel for us, very effective um, channel. It's one of the most successful social media channels for us. So it, you have to stop looking at like the whole world as, as as one shape and one thing. It's not, you know, just like the whole world's not trying to catch fish. So Molly would never come out and say, yeah, don't bother with Twitter. You can't catch fish there. You absolutely can catch some amazing fish on, on Twitter. So how do you decide then from emulating what you're currently doing, which is being successful, which in your case is LinkedIn, in your case is Instagram, but it's not Twitter, to actually saying, well, actually, Twitter's working for some other marketing organisations. Yeah. To what extent do we try to innovate and test Twitter? That's a really good question. And actually, a reflection of this conversation is not that Twitter doesn't work for us. It absolutely does, but not the volume that we can get elsewhere. So we have a resource of, we have five people in our team that worked across absolutely every digital platform that we run. And if we had all the resource in the world, yeah, Twitter is a great platform. But what we're seeing is that our time and efforts, we're getting more reward elsewhere. So it's, yeah, I wouldn't say it, it doesn't work for us if we, you know, had the resource to, to put more into it, then potentially we'd see, you know, a bit of an increase, but it just doesn't match the volumes when, when I'm looking at the number of engagements people are reaching, the traffic that we're driving, the conversions on our site. You just can't compare the two. The efforts have got to go towards the, the platforms that are really like driving what we, we need them to. Emulate your success with a little bit of innovation, but you've got to concentrate your efforts on where the market for your engagement is. So as part of your spring clean, then, as part of your social media spring clean, how ruthless should you be, Kieran Rogers? Then is there anything that you should cling on to or should all bets be off? And if you're finding something's not working, you should bin it. If you're finding something that's not working, try doing it in a different way a few times and if that still doesn't work you have to get to a point where you you, you have to bin it I mean uh, you know much like you know, Molly at the CA I mean I think every organization has limited amount of budget and resources and people and actually as marketers our job is to just find ways of communicating the messages that we have to get out there and inevitably you know you, you use the most effective channels to do that I, d I think to be really effective at this you've got to constantly be looking back at like, previous week previous month um, to see what worked and, and what didn't and to ask well why you know and doing that you can try all manner of different things but eventually you do get to the point where you just realize you know what we're just flogging a bit of a dead horse here let's move yeah. on question everything look at your costs for everything you know what's your cost per per lead how many leads do you need to to convert it all comes down to the, the hard numbers at the end of the day and actually I've begun to look at like turnover some kind of sacred cows at the moment like I'm beginning to think do you know what when you actually look at the cost per lead from say that Facebook campaign like actually the cost is really high and actually when you start working out how many of those leads actually convert the cost is astronomically high or your pay-per-click campaigns on Google you know if you, if you, when was the last time you actually looked at what you're spending per click in some cases you might be spending 15 20 pounds to get a click it's like whoa that's a lot of money and and you and you don't question it because well it's, that's just the cost but i think we've all lost sight of the fact these costs are escalating every single year and i know and i think back to maybe five six seven years ago a lot of brands were smashing money out of their direct mail budgets to focus on digital but then back then we were making those decisions when you know traffic was cheap like you could get traffic for you know eight nine pence a click not eight nine pounds a click and actually mm -hmm. i think it's time to reevaluate some of this stuff and go do you know what what would happen if we started doing direct mail again 
like how how would that stack up because you know what it's not about digital marketing it's not about social marketing like wake up it's just about marketing there is no real like digital marketing is just a fake construct really when you think about it your job's just to get you know lead sales brand awareness whatever you're trying to trying to do but could you get you know better results from from that and you start to look at those as as like you would look at digital channels there's a wealth of stuff you can now do we've got so much more that we can measure um and kind of get strategic about i'm not against throwing the baby out if it's problematical um yeah and and like completely turning things on on the head and actually going back a little bit old school the social media spring clean can sometimes include throwing out social media absolutely like if i can get a better result by doing direct mail then why not for me in my experience ben the best bet is backing both right like mixing your channels it's always been like that there'll always be one channel that's an absolute star for most businesses and sometimes you're lucky and you have a few of them but the the best way of getting a message across is to repeat it again and again through like multiple messages through multiple layers i think that's when you know content marketing works best but i think also we have to recognize that the cost of being in these little digital bazaars has gotten astronomically more expensive, um, not just in direct costs, but in time and resources as well. And actually, we need to constantly be reevaluating other ways of achieving the same thing. Um, and if and if direct mail is a part of that, last time I checked, my front doormat as a customer was nowhere near as busy as my email inbox or my social media feed. So why on earth wouldn't that necessarily be a good place to, to get my attention and get a message across? I'm always surprised how much direct mail gets my own attention. And you sort of feel it's old fashioned. But actually, if you get something nice and interesting through the post, I do look at it and I often buy from it. It's interesting, isn't it? When you're trying to survey the landscape, you're, you're surveying every landscape, not just social media, not just whether we go on LinkedIn, whether we go on Twitter, whether we go on Facebook, whether we go on Instagram, whether we go on TikTok or Reels. We also have to look at the rest of the marketing landscape, direct mail and so on and so forth, and normal publishing. That's a lot of time and resource, as you say. It's a huge amount of time and resource just to do that surveillance, you know, never mind the delivery. When as marketers do we focus and find that time, Molly MacArthur, to focus a little bit on ourselves so that when we actually come to do our messaging, to do our comms, we're coming up with great, interesting things that are going to get engagement. We're not spending all of our time as surveyors. I think as a digital marketer it's it's quite easy well not it's not easy it's never easy but it's it's easier in those spaces for example being on social media there's always things popping up on my feed from people I follow that are experts in their field whether it be display SEO or PPC and I see their stuff come up on a regular basis and say oh this has been updated this is what's working well for other people and so I'm getting these updates um, of what's working and what's not in my feed already and things like listening to podcasts just as you're sort of doing work I listen to the digital marketing podcast um, target internet one all the time it's absolutely brilliant so just to spark new <laughs> ideas and try new things like Kieran you recommended um, this video tool it might have been over a year ago now this video tool automatically generates copy from an article if you pop a link in there yeah, and that yeah. blew my mind and we tried it and it was absolutely brilliant I just listened to that while I'm working so it doesn't have to be a really sort of hard task of going on these formal courses doing a formal qualification it's just like keeping up to date here and there follow the right people listen to the right podcasts and uh, it sort of sparks ideas for me at least so follow follow kieran's podcast is the yes <laughs> <laughs> other other good podcasts are out there oh, just, it, i mean i i think i think you're right look just I, for my 
point, Ben. I just think you need to be relentlessly curious. Yeah. You know, that's all we do at Target Internet all the time. And poor old Daniel has a real hard time getting me to do anything because I'm just, I'm off chasing all sorts of things all of the time. But that, that's what you need. Oh, I wonder what would happen if, you know, what if we did this? What if we did that? And it's only through a little bit of experimenting and setting things up. So sort of following um, a general principle that you can have all sorts of opinions about what might work, but it's just your opinion. Like it's not fact. <laughs> your strategy is not fact. Like I've 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 come up with lots of strategies that have just fallen on their backside and failed. And I can know, but but it, it's your best guess uh, very often. And and like Molly, use all sorts of sources to try and you know educate your best guess and and back you know potential things that that might work. I love looking at other industries and like reading case studies and what's worked for them, and then transposing that into into my own world all of the time but all of it involves you know doing things looking at the results and deciding whether it's got legs on it should you iterate a little bit or should you just you know try something completely different it's a constant constant game and it's so much fun to play yeah i agree yeah it doesn't need to be formal training if you're constantly driving for better results how can we do things differently i think yeah kieran you're absolutely right staying curious uh, and one more tip for everybody listening on this ben like stop just blindly following more and more 500 word articles on blah 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 honestly there's there's just a ton of them you know you know the ones they've been thrown at you through social media and stuff like what, the way you need to look at those is oh that's an interesting idea i'm going to test that out not just i'm going to do that and just assume it's going to going to work and that's this is again this is a great learning opportunity to do that because it it might have worked for that marketer that's why they've written it up and, and and told you about it but try it out yourself and set it up in such a way that you can see what the results were and if it did work and if it didn't that's that's the real key so every time you run campaigns actually you have an opportunity guys to trailblaze to, to cut a path through you know your your sector and, and your segment of the industry and discover what works and what doesn't and actually you know what what more fun can you have than you know being the person that shares the results of that with the wider marketing community so that they can say that's an interesting hypothesis i wonder whether that would work for us and actually through lots of us doing this actually we we learn and we know what works and what doesn't we're not just taking some you know internet guru's word on it like never do that Certainly never listen to anything I say on the podcast and did target internet and assume that's going to work for you. That would be that would be commercial suicide potentially. But test it out. You know, if it's given you some ideas, you know, like you did, Molly, with with that tool Lumin Five, which amazing tool for you know creating little video video clips. And actually you found it worked for you. Okay, great. Right. Ben, you might try it and it might absolutely fall on its backside. In which case, you know, you you've not like put all of your eggs in that basket and come out looking silly. You know, you've learned. Um, and then out of that, it's like, well, why didn't it work? You can, you can learn so much more, I think, sometimes by things that fail when you analyse them. But you've got to take the time to to do that and constantly be looking behind and see where you've, where you've come from or what you've achieved. If we take the wonderful series of resources that are out there to us, accept, as Kieran says, that they're not gospel. And just because they work for someone, they did not work for another one. How can we shape those, do you think, Molly MacArthur, into maximising the opportunities they're ahead of us as digital marketing managers. Like Kieran said, just testing absolutely everything that we feel like will work for us. We can tell very quickly what will and won't produce the results that we're looking for. So I think being clear in what it is that you're, you're after, ultimately, um, and being willing to try and, and test. Do, do, do you see any particular opportunities ahead, Kieran? I, I mean, there's just some really simple things I think everybody should be doing. I know that they're not 
you know, so often I get frustrated when I follow links on social media and I can see there's no tracking code on that link. Oh no, what a missed opportunity. Like just like find out about UTM tracking codes. You know, if you're using Google Analytics, they work and actually they work with a number of different analytics platforms. Um, but they're a way of ensuring that, you know, you can sort of measure the the downstream traffic you get from all of that, you know, very resource and time intensive social media activity that you, you're doing. So I post something on on Facebook, for example, Ben, and I don't put a link on it. You see that link and you think, oh, my mate Molly would love that. And what do you do? You SMS or you WhatsApp it to Molly. Go, hey, Molly, check this out. This looks really cool. Right. And in that scenario, because I've not put tracking code on it, there's no track back to know that, you know, it was the, Kieran, it was that activity you did on Facebook that got the that got Molly to to, to 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 take action. And granted, Molly never saw it on Facebook. You know, you did, Ben. Right. But the, the mm. difference is it makes such a difference when you put tracking code onto that link. So we're hardwiring into the URL you end up sharing, you know, where it was originally placed. Then, Ben, when you share that with Molly, however you share it, when Molly follows that link, you know, information on where it was placed goes straight into my analytics because it's hardwired into the actual actual URL. And like not enough marketers are, are, are doing that. And actually, I've tried this with lots of different organizations. I've seen just by making that one change, suddenly they discover they've got four, sometimes five times more engagement that they're getting on this social media activity. They just didn't know it because it was all being sucked into that most useless of analytics segments, none stroke direct, which is basically our Google Analytics going, don't know where they came from. It just sort of appeared, sort of turned up, just sort of teleported in. So, you know, tracking everything like that for, we're all used to doing it for, you know, advertising campaigns because there's, Actually, it's easier to do. You can tick boxes and it happens. Um, and actually, we, a lot of this goes into email as well, you know, because you, you've got a box that you can tick in, say, MailChimp or uh, Constant Contact, which adds these tracking codes. But actually, we should be adding them uh, manually to all of our, our social media posts. I mean, Molly, I know this is something that you guys do. Have you seen a big, like, it's, it, it really helps, isn't it, to measure the results? Oh, massively. Yeah, it, it really does guide what we do. And that's how we can see that we know that focusing on LinkedIn, we, we're going to get the most out of that for the resource and time that we have to put into it. Yeah, it really is our sort of guiding light for sure. So it's back to being curious. Yes. Trying different things. Yes. But as obvious as it might seem to say it, it's not always done. Is being able to measure when you've been curious and you've done the experimentation, what is actually working. If we can hold those things in our minds, we become better digital marketers very quickly. Okay, I'm going to put you two on the spot then. In the next 12 months, let's say the next 18 months, if you had to choose one thing we should be doing more of as digital marketers and one thing we should be doing less of, what should it be? And Molly, we'll start with you. I think as we said, testing and for us, testing on what's working is video, short form video at the moment across all of our platforms paid advertising, organic channels is where we're getting the engagement. So um, yeah, it's got to be testing. What about less of? Less of, or for us, <laughs> less Twitter. We, we're dragging it down from five posts a day, focusing on what's really working and um, doing more of that. Karen, do you know what? I think we should all be making more time to learn. And <laughs> Look, no, that's kind of it's a bit of a it's a bit of an own goal on this podcast, isn't it? Because obviously the CIM exists to help marketers learn. But, you know, I think stuff is changing so much quicker than we can learn about it. 
in so many different areas and actually it's it's absolutely absolutely crucial um, and as we've discussed in the podcast it's not just about you know attending formal training sometimes it's about you know testing things out to learn and experimenting and, and learning about your own audience so if, if for me the most crucial thing as a successful marketer is to obsess about my audience to study them and to learn them. you know you have to study that almost harder than you study marketing marketing gives you some amazing ways of, of of reaching them but you know really study that audience really work out what's important to them really work out what gets their their juices flowing and their fingers clicking um and 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 you know their, their fingers dialing you know to pick up literally pick up the pick up the phones and uh, the more you can do of that um and, and like less stuff less time spent trying to churn out more and more stuff oh my god just do do fewer things better you know, we don't need any more like randomly bland blog posts about whatever it is you've decided to bang on a, about three or four times again this week. Like, like, add something of value, create something that's really so awesome. Everybody's going to go nuts about it. You know, I'm a massive fan of Rand Fishkin's 10x theory, where he said, look, you know, take any subject, uh, read the the world's top 10 like articles on that subject and google will tell you what those are and other search engines are available just go and read it and then go away and create something 10 times better just the mere attempt to do something like that is going to really raise your game and hopefully you should start seeing you know much better much better results there's an old adage uh, that you can't polish poo and it was never like truer of content marketing and yet i think literally a lot of us are on a fool's errand trying to do just that and it's not going to end well and it's just going to get a bit messy and a bit smelly. So actually, like, like stop doing that and, and start polishing some some diamonds. Start, start reaching out, looking at your best performing content and making it better, you know, rather than just churning out another random uh, small thing on whatever it was else you thought of. Like take stuff that you're really good at already um, and make it better. And, and whenever we do these things, we've always get, you know, stellar results off the back of it. It's uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a, a route to riches, that one. Sterling advice from you both. Thank you, Molly McCarthy and Kieran Rogers, very much indeed for joining us today on the podcast. It's been excellent. And I hope to see both of you again very soon indeed. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thanks for having us, Ben. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. CIM Marketing Podcast.